Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. I'm Bharati Jagdish. Now, it's no secret COE premiums for all categories are up in the latest bidding exercise. Motorcycle COE prices hitting a new high of over $12,800. Now, this comes before the kickoff of the lower COE quota between November and January of next year, which means premiums could go even higher. Owning a car in Singapore has always been an aspiration for many, but it's become an expensive endeavor. I'm sure you'd agree. Many costs involved with car ownership that go beyond its purchase price. Some people have given up on owning a car and switched to renting. There's another more viable and more sustainable option as well. Car sharing. Joining us on the line to talk more about this, To Ting Feng, Managing Director and Co-Founder of local car sharing brand GetGo. Hi, Ting Feng. Hi, Barty. Thanks for joining us, Ting Feng. So we know that owning a car today can set you back over $150,000, depending on the COE premium and the category, of course. To what extent do you think this might get worse? I think COE prices, as we all know, are driven by both supply and demand. And as we have read in the news, supply of COEs will continue to be tight into the next quarter and potentially only easing up after 2023. So on the supply side, it will be constrained. And on the demand side, what we see is that, you know, potentially because of an influx of capital from overseas, you know, asset prices for not only cars, but houses have gone up as well here in Singapore. So my suspicion is that COE prices will continue to go up in the next one to two years, unless, of course, uh, a recession severely dampens demand. Mm. This basically means that car ownership will be even more expensive and more inefficient for, for people here. Based on recent surveys, actually, younger Singaporeans seem to be changing their minds about car ownership. They don't covet it as much as perhaps my generation or my parents' generation. Have you found that to be true as well? Yeah, that's what we see as well. Um, Obviously, a a majority of our users are from the younger generation. And, you know, in the past, when people think of uh, the five Cs, you know, car ownership is one of them and it's a status symbol. But I think going forward, you know, with the younger generation, they don't care as much about owning depreciating status symbols. Um, but what they really care about uh, is having, you know, the resources to spend on experiences and perhaps even investing in appreciating assets instead. So I think times have uh, indeed changed. And I think the need or the want to own a car uh, has has been decreasing over time. Here's the thing, Ting Feng. Aren't you guys also part of the COE bidding system? Oh, we are. We are. Uh, however, I think when we started the business, we were very clear that our objective was to actually take cars off the road in the long run. So we don't actually um, buy a lot of new cars per se. Our focus is primarily on working with existing fleet partners to make better use of the existing cars. So these are cars that have already been registered and have been on the road uh, for a few years already. Mm, Yeah, because if you're just adding to the car population or driving prices up by bidding for COEs as well, (laughs) that kind of defeats the purpose, right? So you assure me that's not something you do, yeah? Of course, sometimes, you know, when we want to push for electrification, there aren't that many used electric cars around. So occasionally... You know, for a minority of our cars, we do get our partners to buy new electric vehicles. Um, But by and large, you know, our mission is really to increase access to cars flexibly and in the long term reduce 
the demand for COEs and to own cars. So my objective really in the long run is to bring COE prices down. <laughs> ah, okay. So let's talk about how you think that can happen before we talk about car sharing specifically. A lot of people say that, you know, the COE system is not fair. Uh, it needs to be tweaked. What's your view on this? I think the COE system um, is a fair system in terms of you know financial allocation of what is essentially a constrained uh, ownership, right? Mm. Uh, but of course, you know financial fairness and efficiency is only one lens that you can look at uh, this system at. You know, at GetGo, we believe that you know access to driving and driving freedom, you know, shouldn't be really tied to ownership, and that's why we started the business to offer this flexible access to ownership. Um, I think in terms of the quota system, there are many views on how that could be improved. Um, But I think at the end of the day, making the whole system more efficient in terms of allowing people to drive without having to own, I think that's our primary solution uh, for for the COE. Mm. Some might say, look, we have a world-class public transport system. It's relatively good compared to many other countries. Do we really need to make car ownership something that people consider important? I, I think the answer is uh, it's a mixed one. I think if we only have a world-class public transportation system, it will be hard to convince people not to own cars uh, because public transport can't fulfill all our needs and all our use cases. If we have three to four kids and we want to bring them to the zoo, it's not so easy to take uh, public transport. So we believe that what we need is a menu of options that together will fulfill the needs of you know our Singaporeans and Singaporean residents. For example, you can take the MRT to work Mondays to Fridays, but you know when you want to head out for lunch quickly, perhaps you call a taxi. And for planned activities over the weekend, you can use a service like ours, which allows you to book a car in advance affordably and to be able to bring your family out in a comfortable manner. You said that your aim is to have fewer cars on the road. Here's the thing. If more of us start to get in on car sharing, then demand for COEs might go down, right? And then you'll see uh-huh. it then become more affordable. And then we might see the vicious cycle of then people <laughs> saying, oh, now it's more affordable. I can buy and prices will go up again. How do you see all of this balancing out in the medium to long term? I, I think that's a great observation, right? So um, without the government actively changing the quota, services like ours help to moderate demand. Like you said, if you become popular, car prices, uh, prices come down, some people may continue to buy a car. But the reality is that there's a fixed quota. Um, so what potentially may happen if we are very successful in our mission is that overall demand for ownership goes down and that may allow the government to actually cut COE quota if they choose to mm-hmm. without making prices go crazy. So people will have options. Uh, we will then be able to really move towards a car-like society. Okay, so tell us more about how GetGo service actually works and how people can get in on it. Yeah, so we are a mobile uh, service, mobile platform. So we design our service around three key principles. One is that of simplicity, number two, flexibility, and number three, accessibility. So to use our service, it is really very simple. You go to your app store or your play store, you can download our app online, and you can get registered on our platform within two minutes simply by using your SingPass. So we've integrated with um, MyInfo to retrieve your eligibility to drive. 
And then all you need to do is put in the credit card, you can book a car, and once you reach the car, you can connect to the car using Bluetooth and you're off driving. And so that's why we have really invested a lot of time and effort and technology into making our service very simple to use. Um, number two, like I mentioned, is flexibility. So for our service, you can rent the car for as little as an hour, uh, 24-7 uh, of the day, and you can even book it up to 30 days in advance, right? So you can use it for as short as an hour or as long as five days if you wanted to. I'm sure there are some limitations as well. So tell us more about those. So I think the limitation is as compared to car ownership where you have a car sitting around waiting for you, for our service, you do need to do a little bit of planning. Uh, if, you, if you leave it too late on a Saturday and you want to book one of our cars to drive, you may end up being disappointed because all the cars are booked up. So I think you do need a little bit of advanced planning. And of course, you know, our cars are across 1,300 locations across the island. So most of the time, there is a car really close to you, like a three to five minute walk. But sometimes, you know, perhaps you like a particular car or you book too late, you may have to walk a little bit further to access the car. So Mm -hmm. so these are some of the adjustments that um, people have to kind of make uh, when they use sharing instead of, you know, owning a car. Now, you started the business about a year and a half ago. And I believe even at that time, car ownership was something that was coveted. What made you want to go into it at that point, though, to go into car sharing at that point? I think one of the main catalysts was, you know, um, the pandemic, right? During the pandemic, we saw that people were, you know, increasingly working from home, avoiding public transportation, and even avoiding taxis, right? So we thought that, hey, there's a window of opportunity to really build a great car sharing service and to attract people to try and use the service. At the same time, during the pandemic, you know, obviously, um, taxis and ride-hailing companies got hit hard because of the lack of mobility, and there was a problem of underutilized cars. So we saw the combination of both an opportunity as well as a problem to be solved. And that's how we launched the business. And when my co-founder and myself looked at it, we realized that car sharing actually solves a longer term problem, right? One whereby we can help make land transport more efficient and sustainable. And we can also make access to driving much more financially efficient for the individual and allow them to experience life and go and explore you know, different places or save time for their loved ones. Mm. Are there preferences among your clientele when it comes to whether they drive EVs or non-EVs? I I think um, the EVs uh, are proving to be very popular. Uh, Of course, it's early days for us, you know, only around 2 to 3% of their EVs. But we do see that the EVs are extremely popular. And because we charge a lower mileage fee for our EVs, we tend to see longer drives on the EVs as well. So, you know, where a typical booking on our regular cars, perhaps it's three to four hours and people drive 40 kilometers. Mm. On the EVs, it's like five to six hours and they drive, you know, 60, 70 kilometers on average. Mm. Do people care about being greener in their transportation <laughs> options? Or, or do you still have to give them a lot of incentives in order to encourage it? I, I think that's a great question. And I think it really depends on the demographic of users you're um, referring to. What we believe is that for the younger generation, they actually put, you know, their wallet where their mouth is and they believe in, you know, changing and making conscious consumption choices. Of course, perhaps for the older generation, you know, they're still very practical 
and how we encourage them to use EVs, like I mentioned, was to is to charge a lower uh, mileage fee on EVs because the cost of you know running an EV by charging is definitely lower than that of a patrol vehicle. So I think it you know different generations have different considerations you know in terms of whether they they, they value sustainability. All right. So what trends are you anticipating over the next few years, and how are you bracing yourself for them? I, I think you know. We are living in an inflationary environment, you know, for the first time in a long time. Uh, costs are rising, so we believe that it is important for us to provide, to continue to provide a service which is flexible and accessible. Of course, you know, climate change is becoming uh, more and more real by the day. We also believe that individuals are looking for more conscious and sustainable ways of uh, consuming, you know, services and, and goods as well. So I think these two are two big trends that um, we are riding on. And hence, we see, you know, car sharing being a long-term growth sector for us here and as well as overseas. Now, of course, with uh, increasing public transportation and governments wanting to reduce car ownership, that's another trend that, you know, we are working closely with the government here and hopefully overseas as well to help push that along. Mm. Tell me more very quickly, though, about the differences between Singapore and the rest of the region and where you might have a presence and some of the differences there that you're taking note of in order to perhaps come up with new services. I think Singapore is a great place uh, for us to start the service. It is highly dense population-wise. It's a great public transportation system. And so when we think about going overseas, we're looking for similar markets where, you know, there's a high cost of living, high population density, and governments, they are com- committed to public transportation, you know, as a key pillar of the mobility strategy. And that's how we will look to expand overseas and serve, you know, more markets as well. All right. Thanks very much for that, Ting Feng. To Ting Feng, MD and co-founder of local car sharing brand GetGo. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.